Hey guys, this is Renee from Throwing Down with Renee and Misha. I am joined by Angela Hill again this week, and we talk about our love at first sight, how we fell in love with MMA and pro wrestling. Plus, we break down Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker, and we are joined by comedian Nathan Orton. Let's get into it. Guys, we're talking love. It's Valentine's Day. I actually really like Valentine's Day. I know it kind of gets a bad rap as like this Hallmark holiday and we don't really need to be celebrating it. But like, do we? I don't know. We don't really need to be doing anything, right? But it's nice to have a little day of love and recognition. Yes, you should love your significant other, your partner every day. <laughs> but it is nice to have a special moment to be like, hey, actually, let's pay attention and, and give a little love, especially for us that have been together for quite some time. You need a little... A little reminder. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I We're usually talking- need a reminder of the day. I always forget. <laughs> I know. I know. That was like us. It's so funny. I feel like all week I've or like not all week, but like the past couple weeks. I'm like, okay, well, this is coming up and this is coming up and Super Bowl and da-da-da. I was like, oh, and Valentine's Day. But I actually kept thinking about it because now that we have our daughter, I'm like, oh, I got I want to get like her little like tokens and little nuggets. And oh. I got her like this little like heart-shaped uh, container. I just like put like a stuffed pink cat in it she didn't care oh. um but um but anyways I kept thinking about it but I feel like every time I kept saying to my husband I'm like well Valentine's Day is here he's like fuck he kept like remembering he's like oh shit I gotta do something I was like as if I was like dropping the hint to him which I guess maybe I kind of was but it's more so a reminder to myself any hoodles we're talking love at first sight how we fell in love for you MMA for me pro wrestling what mm. made you fall in love? What was the thing that got you that you just went head over heels a little gaga for? Well, um, I was training Muay Thai at the time. I didn't think that I was going to make a career out of it. I was just doing it to get in shape. And we would always go and watch fights. The whole gym would go and go to a bar and watch fights together. And I still thought MMA was really scary and something I would never do. And I watched um Jose Aldo versus Uriah Faber and that fight was just a leg kick clinic and I've never seen someone destroy people's legs and I was training Muay Thai at the time so I've watched fights I've watched a few fights um but never a live Muay Thai fight and when I would watch MMA I I was just at that point where I was recognizing, oh, he's throwing a a jab, you know? (laughs) Oh, that's a kick that's aimed at the leg. That's a leg kick, you know? Like uh, I was just (laughs) learning the moves and the lingo. So to see someone destroy Uriah Faber's leg like that, and then the next day he posted pictures of how like big and nasty it was. It was just like one big old ham hock of tenderized meat. That made me fall in love with it. I love that. It's it's <laughs> cool in like those early days, yeah, of like learning something and learning this new language. It can be really like interesting as your brain is just soaking up every little aspect of something and it's becoming this like true passion for you. Um, for me, I got to go back to 1996, the Hollywood backlot brawl. I always say this is my favorite match. It's uh, Roddy Piper taking on Goldust. Goldust is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Mm. We had him on the show not that long ago. Um, he's great. The guy can still go. He can still move. That you know they, they call him the natural for a reason. The guy's incredible and can't say enough good things about Roddy Piper as well. I mean, you want to talk about a guy just with this insane energy and 
can we really tell the difference between Roddy Piper in the ring versus Roddy Piper out of the ring? We've, you know, it seems like it's the exact same person. What, what are we going to get from this maniac? And these two guys having this Hollywood backlot brawl to me was like quintessential wrestling. It's, um, you know, it's a pomp and circumstance, the pageantry, the ridiculous nature of it. We got like the OJ's white Bronco being chased down. Like <laughs> there were so many different things that were like plugged throughout this uh, this match. I mean, even just like That's the awesome. hose, <laughs> like hosing everybody down. It was great. That was definitely the moment that made me fall in love with professional wrestling. And uh, specifically for me, it would have been uh, Gold Dust. Gold Dust is just the best. Was there a specific fighter for you? Or was it just um, that fight? Or like, do you, are there other fighters that kind of made you fall in love with the sport? Jose Aldo is definitely one of them. Um, uh, Chris Cyborg, she was unbeatable at the time. Her and Gina Carano, actually. Yeah. Um, both unbeatable. And then they fought and it was the biggest female fight of MMA to that point, you know? So yeah. that that was a really awesome one to be able to follow both careers and then see them fight together. That, that was a big moment for me as well. I, I finally understood, Oh, this is why people are invested in this. This is why people care. Uh This is why they tune in for every fight, not, not just the main events. So that was, that was another big one. God, there's, I feel like that's like, especially in like pro wrestling is like, there's so many like great characters, especially in the nineties that you could really kind of attach yourself to, whether you were a Stone Cold fan, you were, you know, an HBK fan, uh, whether you were a Bret Hart person. And then, I mean, even from like the women's side of things, like, you know, somebody like Trish Stratus, who to me, I mean, her in the ring was amazing. She changed the game for female wrestlers, but she was also a woman from Toronto, which Mm. of course spoke volumes to me that I'm like, oh my God, she's from where I'm from. Look at her go. She's just like changing the game. And um, she's one of those people you know when you like meet your your heroes and uh she really is awesome she's just so cool so sweet love me some trish um but yeah it's cool to have like those moments that uh that just really remind you of of why you why you love the sport you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i love it um what what are some other things that stand out to you when we're uh when we're talking love of the game or there or what what makes you stay Mm. in love with the game um uh, just the unpredictability, the chaos of MMA. Uh, I think that's why a lot of people have a hard time going from MMA to wrestling, but it's easy to go from wrestling to MMA because mm-hmm. sometimes it's almost like it's scripted with MMA. Like the when the underdog wins, it's so improbable that you immediately have people saying they threw the fight or somebody put money on the fight or something like that, because there's no reason that should happen. Logically, logically, this person was supposed to win. So the fact that an underdog can just completely flip the table over, just do something crazy, or even just stick the basics and win a fight that seemed unwinnable beforehand. That's the coolest thing about MMA that and the amount of ways to win too. You can, Like, look at the last heavyweight bout. Everyone counted Francis out in the striking department. And then he was like, OK, then fuck it. I'll wrestle like that's such a huge <laughs> thing. And it's insane yeah. that that was the way that he won. It's insane that it worked. Um, just the fact that you can just change your game plan completely and learn a new skill set and then use it and be successful in there. That's that's the coolest part about MMA. 
Yeah, I feel like for like the pro wrestling side of things, it's like the as the world changes and like the the whole scope of wrestling changes. I mean, obviously the big thing in wrestling is that suspension of disbelief. And it becomes mm-hmm. harder and harder to do that when we live in this social media world. Everyone's broadcasting their lives 24-7. We don't live in that world anymore where you just believe the Undertaker is the Undertaker that's living <laughs> in Death Valley. And that's just who that man is. We now see the Undertaker with his wife, with his kid. They are, you know, they do specials for WWE and we see that aspect of them. But I think that's really cool when you see guys embrace the way the world is changing and using it to their benefit. I mean, there's times you can see storylines extend themselves onto social media. Um, and I, you know, there's just, there's so many different ways that you can look at things to even just like the way the game has changed. You know, it always used to be just about those big bulky muscular men. And now it's not really anymore. It's really more about those like indie style wrestlers. They want the Daniel Bryans. They want the Adam Coles. Um, you, even like, you know, like the Seth, Seth Rollins, which is funny because he's still massive. But when you think of like a Hulk Hogan, he's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's so cool to like watch the game change and to watch people adapt to it and still have those really cool moments. Um, And there's just like that magic that comes with it. It's like that sleight of hand that can come Mm -hmm. with professional wrestling that I love. You know, we just came off of the Royal Rumble and whether it's a surprise to like secrets within the industry, like that stuff that I love. I love being able to like kind of keep my finger on the pulse of that. Like what's happening, who's going where, especially now in wrestling, it's all about this forbidden door of wrestlers crossing into different promotions and working places. Mm. You would never imagine them to work to contracts being signed and these dream matchups that people thought they were never going to be able to see or being able to see their favorite wrestlers, uh, working without sort of some of the limitations that can, that can come from, uh, working in certain other, uh, promotions and whatnot. So there's just, there's so many other layers of, of cool that can, that can sort of be unwrapped in professional wrestling. We'll get mm-hmm. you into it, Angie. We'll get so you into many, it. So many similarities, though. Like that last thing yeah. you said, that's totally happening in the MMA world, too. You have yeah. all sorts of crazy matchups happening and PFLs doing big things, Bellator's doing big things. Like people are, are spreading out and, and yeah. just, yeah, it's crazy. There's got to be It is crazy. There's options. A- There's got to be comfort in being a fighter and knowing that too and knowing that there are some other options. It's not the end-all be-all. I mean, obviously being at UFC is great. It's a place to be. But if you wanted to go work somewhere else and there's other places and other fights to be had, that that those opportunities like truly exist. Definitely. I mean, I've I've seen some crazy stuff circling (laughs) recently. There's some Russian promotion that's letting – Two people versus one. Oh, I uh, love that shit. Was that like the guys <laughs> in the masks and stuff that just there, had like their. There was one. Are you talking about like the Spider-Man versus Batman thing? No, no, no. Like it that? was like, it was like a five on five MMA fight. But like oh, the one team one. had on like masks and anyway, it was like very pro wrestling. And I was like, yeah, why is it <laughs> like, can we get like some tag team MMA fights, which I know that that has yes. kind of existed in some versions before, but like, let's, let's elaborate on that a little bit. It's always super sketch, but For the sure. videos are, they go viral immediately yeah. because it's like, wow, you guys are taking this seriously. But um, the one I saw recently was a, a huge woman, like huge. She must've been like at least 250, 300 pounds versus 
a man and his grandfather. <laughs> what? <laughs> is this on like some kind of like fetish site? What is this? No, it's a real, <laughs> it was a real show. Nothing uh, gross happened. It was just a fight. And, <laughs> and the end was a draw. It ended in a draw. She, oh she, my God. She was, she was the big bear mama. <laughs> mama bear in there and oh, she wrecked I love that. so i'm like okay well when i'm 60 and 300 pounds i have a place in mma still Let's like that's go. that's pretty legit you know yeah. like that's pretty legit i'm happy about that and i feel like at 60 i would have been able to beat that guy and his grandfather so well hey now you know what the goal <laughs> has been set to we put yes. it on the vision board and we just hang on to that one for a little while we revisit it down the road Hi, everyone. I'm Hall of Fame sportscaster Leslie Visser, and I've got a new podcast, In Conversation, where I'll draw from 45 years of covering the Final Four, the NBA Finals, Wimbledon, the World Series, the Super Bowl, the Olympics. CBS even sent me to the fall of the Berlin Wall. I think you'll enjoy the give and take, so subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts or listen on the SXM app included in most subscriptions. We just got to hear the final decision there for the middleweight championship matchup. The main event of UFC 271, Israel Adesanya retains the title. What a fight between these two, between Izzy and Robert Whitaker. Holy crap. What'd you think? And this was this was a tough one to score. It really was. And watching the fight. Um, the first round was so solid. And then the second round, Whitaker starts to pick up, but I still felt like Adesanya had it. Then the third round, the takedown started happening. So it, it was like a really tough one to score, but I felt like the right person won. And a lot of people are, are saying the, you have to beat the champ thing like that. That's, mm -hmm. it's always been how I felt, you know, like you have to beat the champ. If it's a close fight, it's not enough for the belt to turn over. You have to like beat them, beat them. But yeah. at the same time, you know, you could give Whitaker more rounds than Adesanya. I just feel like this is uh, really similar to what happened when Holloway fought Volkanovsky, um, only Max lost. In this case, it, Adesanya won, and he was the person that everyone felt should won just because of how strong the the rounds that he won were, as opposed to yeah. Whitaker, whose rounds that he possibly won were a little closer and you could have gone either way. So that's why I feel like Adesanya was the right call just because he had two solid rounds or one extremely solid round and then the rest were kind of close-ish which rounds would you have given to Whitaker probably the fifth the fifth he's mm -hmm. just like working a little a little more had like more aggression in that fifth round um but uh there was so much damage done in the first round by Adesanya that I just felt like he was working through that the entire time, like with the with the leg kicks, with the calf kicks. He really slowed him down. And when Whitaker did get a little momentum, it was usually in the form of a takedown and taking his back, taking out of science back. But he wasn't able to do anything with it. And he didn't get yeah. close to finishing him when he was able to take his back. So that's the only reason I didn't feel like he did enough to win those exchanges, because he didn't get close. It wasn't 
in deep, like like it was with uh, Brunson versus Canyonier. Like he was literally saved by the bell. That moment never really happened in the Adesanya Whitaker fight. Right. Um, you were saying uh, before we hopped on the actual show in our production meeting, talking about how Twitter was kind of on fire, saying that uh, Izzy doesn't have as much offense and blah, blah, blah. What's your reaction to, to people's opinion of that? It's um, it it's the way he fights. He is really good at controlling the pace of the fight. He it, like he he um you and you touched on it. He his conditioning is amazing, but oh my I god, feel like it, he makes himself look superhuman by the way he's able to decide when to reset, and his opponent can't really do anything about it. Like he's able to keep them away with push kicks, keep them away with with uh with those fast like question mark kicks and those calf kicks like he's able to command like a certain respect for stepping into his range so as soon as someone steps into the range they have to be ready for some fast thing coming from some different angle and it's always a different angle so Adesanya uses that to reset to get his breathing back and then when he decides to come forward and and do a lot of action then you have to let him It's pretty crazy. I think it was after maybe around three and the rock had tweeted during it's like, man, Izzy's just breathing through his nose still at this (laughs) point. Like it's just such a the conditioning of him going into this match, but also um, just the like slow down when he was like speaking straight to Robert Whitaker was like, I'm I am willing to die tonight for Mm. this was like, damn. I love that warrior shit. It was cool as all hell. <laughs> um, what do you think about Robert Whitaker um, saying that he thought that he did enough to win? You know, I get that. I get that he thought that um, it, it was a really close fight. And if you go round by round, then you can make a case for Whitaker. You can make a case for him winning, um, winning three to two. So mm-hmm. it. It's not crazy. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's I think it's a valid opinion. And if anything, it's just going to push him to keep trying to get it. And the fact that it was super close, a lot of people are saying that Whitaker won. So it's not it's not something that people are going to forget about, you know. Right. Um, so the fact that it was super, super close will make it marketable when they fight for the third time, because yes. if it was another blowout. Like he he just be ready to hang his hat up, I feel like. But the fact that it was so close, he did so many good things in this fight as opposed to the last. And he has something to be proud of. What would he need to work on between now and uh, fight number three? Sinking that choking. He was there. He was there. Mm-hmm. And no one's no one's really gotten there on Adesanya, even when he fought Blokovich. He wasn't able to get to his back as quickly as Whitaker did. So that's the next step, being able to set up somehow, get that arm underneath the neck and really just crank the hell out of it. That's the way to win this fight. And I think a lot of people saw that, especially jujitsu aces. They're watching the fight and they're like, oh, he's giving up the back super easy. Some people do that because they feel so comfortable giving up their back because that's like the first thing you learn is how to defend a rear naked choke. So a lot of people give up their back because they know no one's choked them there in years. But if someone's really good at it, they'll find a way. They'll find a way to trap the arm. They'll find a way to like uh, pull pull your nose 
pull your nostrils up uh, and get your neck exposed. You know, like they they figure no out they thanks. have all these cool little tricks to get that arm in there. So yeah. that's the next step for sure, because he found a quick path to the back in that fight a couple times. Well, this is this is what um, Robert Whitaker had to say in the post fight presser. Honestly, I thought he he looked very beatable. I thought I beat him. I thought I did enough. I got inside his reach. I beat him to every punch, beat him every time. He didn't land anything that really, really hurt me by that that one shot in the first. And, uh, but yeah, you know, honestly, a third fight between me and Izzy is inevitable. It's inevitable because I'm going to stomp anybody who comes in front of me again. And uh, he knows that too. That's why he said I'll be seeing you in the future. And I don't see him losing the belt anytime soon. He's, he's, he's good. He is good. I think I am the person to beat him. I love that accent. He is good. Cool. Uh, this is what Izzy had to say on the other side of that. I heard he thought he won the fight or some shit. Um, I don't know what he and Victoria were sipping on to think they were. Well, maybe it was Costa's wine. I don't know. But fucking hell. He did not win that fight, and he knows it. But, yeah, same thing. He needs to go have a shower as well and reflect and realize that that's not true. He did say back here that he did feel he'd done enough to win the title. You don't do enough to win the title. You take the belt. You, this, this is not how this works. Well, I did enough. Yes, no. He also said that he thinks you and him are essentially just on another level to the rest of the division. I'm curious if you agree with that assessment. Yeah, but... I mean, he's a few steps below me as well. Woo! Um, I love a fired up, very sassy, very saucy Israel Adesanya. Um, what is like your reaction that if you're on the other side and someone's being like, oh, we're we're at the same level, but like you're not. <laughs> yeah. He's like, calm down. Calm down. Yeah, calm down. You didn't Pump beat me. <laughs> you didn't beat yeah. me. And I have a knockout over you. So relax. But yeah, I, I do think they are very close in rank and um, in skill level. I mean, it's hard to see Canyoneer doing as well as Whitaker has done. You know, it, it really yeah. is. And even in the first fight where Whitaker got knocked out, he tagged Adesanya. His face was messed up at the end of that fight and it was only a round or two. So uh, there's definitely levels to this. And there's definitely a lot that Whitaker brings to the table that a lot of mm -hmm. other middleweights don't. Um, but of course, when you're at the top of the heap, you're not going to give him that credit. You're not going to like, <laughs> no, acknowledge that Take he was a, a couple steps back. Yeah. That you had to breathe a little hard in between rounds. You're not going to acknowledge that you're going to make mm -hmm. him sweat and make him make him squirm. So <laughs> good job. <laughs> <that is> like. <laughs> yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Hall of Fame sportscaster Leslie Visser, and I've got a new podcast in conversation where I'll draw from 45 years of covering the final four, the NBA finals, Wimbledon, the World Series, the Super Bowl, the Olympics. CBS even sent me to the fall of the Berlin Wall. I think you'll enjoy the give and take. So subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts or listen on the SXM app included in most subscriptions. Hey guys, welcome back to Throwing Down. We are joined currently by, by Nathan Orton. He's headlining at Caroline's on Broadway. That's all happening tomorrow night at 7 p.m. For tickets, visit carolines.com. Nathan, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I love meeting another Orton, let me tell you. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. As soon as I saw like your name come up, I was like, wait, we get to talk to I'm, I obviously I, I know your brother. I worked in WWE for quite some time. Um, yeah. So I got to spend a, a lot of time with Randy. So I was like, oh, my gosh. Yes. Bring him on. Uh, you've got probably, a big show coming up. Uh, what were you going to say? Sp- Let's talk a little shit on Randy. Oh, I was just going to say you probably spent more time with Randy than me. It's crazy. Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps. I mean, that's kind of how yeah. it works in the wrestling world because we are all stuck together for so long uh, that we exactly. end up spending more, t- more time together than our actual families. So, yes, quite possibly. <laughs> um, your show that's coming up tomorrow at Caroline's. I mean, obviously, that's such a huge venue to be in there, to yeah. be headlining. How are you feeling about everything? What are, like, the pre-show jitters like for you? You know, I got into uh, Transcendental Meditation, uh, oh. like, four months ago. And I've been using that to just like really stay focused. Uh, I would recommend it to anybody. It's very easy to just get get focused on whatever you're doing. It, it's really helped with anxiety. So I'm kind of got that under control. I'm, I'm feeling really ready. I think it's going to be a great show. How the hell does somebody get into that? What do you do? Where do you start? So you you get really depressed and then you go down a <laughs> rabbit hole. Um, and instead of having Love health it. insurance and looking into therapy, you just look up do it yourself uh, ways. And there's actually <laughs> love a little DIY therapy, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. There's a, you actually have an instructor. There's four hour and a half long sessions and there's a place over in uh, Williamsburg, I think somewhere in Brooklyn. And they actually guide you through it. They teach you how to do the, the technique so that you're confident you're doing it correctly. And it's, it's really been a life changer. Like I know I, wow. I feel like I'm coming on with the self-help stuff. I didn't plan that, but it's, it's pretty awesome. Hey, here we are. Here we are. That I mean, it, yeah. you know, you got to lead with it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> do you do you have anxiety like as a performer? I can imagine that's got to be something that creeps, especially as a comedian. Holy shit! Yeah, it's it. What's crazy is I actually uh, I, I wrestled in high school because I thought that I was supposed to. I just and <laughs> I was horrible at it, and I was so bad that my freshman year in college, I made myself wrestle and I ended up one of the college coaches was a uh, MMA coach and I started fighting. And that, that anxiety is so much worse than going out to tell jokes uh, because mm-hmm. no, like I'm up there, a joke could bomb, but no one's going to punch me in the face. And <laughs> hopefully I, I, well, yeah, I mean, Unless I it's really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I had to dodge a glass uh, a couple times. Ooh. That just means I'm doing something right because everyone else is sure. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You got to elicit some kind of a reaction. Uh, good, yeah. bad, better than indifference, right? Nobody wants that. Um, exactly. So you mentioned sort of the feel that, that you needed to get into wrestling. I'm sure there must have been a certain amount of that pressure. I mean, coming from a family of wrestlers, from your grandfather, your dad, your uncle, your brother. Um, what is your experience in the pro wrestling world? And why did you kind of decide that that wasn't for you? Yeah, so honestly, I never really had like the urge to do it. So pro wrestling is, you know, like you have to be, completely passionate about that sort of thing to commit to it they're so hard on their bodies with all the travel and i just never had like that itch to do it um and and interestingly like my, my, i was growing up as a kid my dad i knew him more as just a scary used car sales like he wasn't still really wrestling until my brother got yeah. into it he circled back into it so 
he would mention it. He'd bring it up. But I think my dad could just sense I didn't really have like that, that want to do it that my brother had. So it really wasn't, I didn't feel pressured. I think I did the amateur wrestling just because I didn't know what else to do. And I, maybe mm-hmm. I wanted to prove to my dad and my brother I could do it, which I kind of did. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the only thing I got out of amateur wrestling was rainbow. I mean, it was in cauliflower here a little bit. Oh, so, no. Very yeah. impressive, though. That'll get you <laughs> far in the MMA world, too. Yeah. that cauliflower. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you use any of your wrestling kind of anti-wrestling upbringing in your sets? Yeah, I, I have a couple bits about so I have a bit about, well, having my oil checked. Oh, nice. If anyone knows oh. about that. Yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> we <know>. happened to- <laughs> <laughs> so there, that's a fun one. And um, I talk a little bit about the family since it's, it's just something that does set me apart. It's, it's an interesting thing. But I'm so like, I'm not an expert of the field. So like I'd have mm. my jokes about it, but yeah, maybe a 10 minute chunk I go into it. And then other than that, it's just like your typical observational stories from my life, stuff like that. Do you do like a Randy impression? Very... <laughs> <laughs> you must. <laughs> I, 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 you know what I have? I, uh, I do impressions I'm not a big impression guy, but I do voices as I, you mm. just naturally like you're, you're being another person talking and your inflection changes. And there might be some Randy-esque, if I deepen my voice, it might, the gravelness uh-huh. might, yeah, come <laughs> off. Some, but yeah, I should work on that actually. <laughs> you I'll should. I mean, I weight. feel like, I feel like <laughs> that should be added into the mix. Um, Cause Randy's a, a hell of a character. He cracks me up. Um, yeah. So when did comedy become the thing for you? When was that sort of the thing that you started to gravitate towards? When did you know that you were funny? Yeah. So I was, when I was wrestling, I, I was, uh, I was losing so much. I was like, I have to have find my place. And I just started, I noticed I was making my teammates laugh. I was always cracking jokes in the locker room. So like everyone, no one could like me because of my wrestling talent. I was like a 500, you know, uh, wrestler but I was I would make people laugh and that's how why people like me on the team and uh, I ended up after I did MMA for a while I, I realized I had hip dysplasia uh, which Ooh. is yeah uh, it's my excuse for being a shitty wrestler but oh, uh, it's a good one <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> only in pain when I squat down or walk but, uh, <laughs> I I actually got surgery. And while I was recovering, I was on crutches. I went and watched comedy at the funny bone. And I told myself mm. when I can walk again, I'm going to just going to get up. there. And I went up there on one crutch after I had written jokes for a couple months while I was recovering. And I, I just fell in love with it. Mm. I haven't turned back. Oh my gosh. What was that like first moment? Like I like not to like, I don't know much about your world, but I also grew up wanting to do comedy for the longest time. That was like my first thing that I sort of gravitated towards, but more in like the, I always loved Chelsea Handler, but I love that she did her Chelsea lately show. And like that, mm. that's more my environment, but doing stand up, I was like, well, if that's what I want to do, I have to do stand up. So I went to do it. I'm from Toronto. We did it at Yuck Yucks in Toronto. Like they'd have like their launching pad night. I will never remember how tightly my butthole was puckered for that. <laughs> it's terrifying. It's fucking terrifying. What was that first moment like for you? I mean, you fell in love with it. I was like, fuck that. Right. First of all, that would have been a great time to try amateur wrestling. Your 
butthole puckered. Uh, <laughs> then my oil wouldn't get checked. You couldn't. <laughs> I dare right? you to try. <laughs> it, Lose a finger. <laughs> just cut it off. Like, that'd be a great defense. Wow. I think I won. Oh, get it out later. Um, <laughs> just a ring on it. And you pawn that. That would be. There you yeah. go. Yeah, I think we're a little money, something. a little side hustle. Yeah. I think we just <laughs> learned a new submission move. You just yeah. gotta, you gotta uh, bait them into it, though. Hey, Misha knows all yeah, about that do. one, too. You should ask her. <laughs> she does. <laughs> Okay. Oh my God. How she defends Amazing. the pucker. <laughs> oh, um, okay. So night one though, oil. what, 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 what was night one like for you that you were like, this hooked me? Like, was it the laugh? Was it the process of putting together your set? What kind of went into that? Yeah. I was so obsessed with like memorizing four tight minutes. Cause that's what it was. It opened, like, and I invented, I invented, I invited a lot of friends out. And I did well because I invited so many friends. Then the next week, I didn't invite any friends. And I just totally bombed. And I <laughs> actually enjoyed bombing almost That's a little good. more because I was like, I kind of like how these people hate me. I just got to figure out how to make the ones who are indifferent laugh so that something's happening. And that's just been... And uh, being on one crutch was also weird when I started because I feel like people uh, were like, what's going on? Is this a gimmick? Is this permanent? Like people didn't know how to uh -huh. take me because I was just like half disabled. But... Do you feel like you're, um... Um, oh, sorry. Do you feel like your wrestling and MMA experience made it a little easier to step definitely. out there? Because a lot of times I'll, I'll sit and watch comedy specials. I feel like what you guys do is a lot like, what we do when we go out and fight, you have to yeah. be yourself psyched up, like just be like, yeah, I'm the funniest motherfucker on the planet. Yeah, I'm the baddest bitch in the room. Like, yeah. I'm gonna fuck this girl up. And then you go out there and you do this thing that you would never really sign up to do uh, without getting paid a lot of money. So is yeah. it is it like, did that make that anxiety a little easier to deal with aside from the meditation? Absolutely. I think my experience as a rep, like not only just being in front of people and having to perform, I mean, and now you go from the physical aspect to like, it's all just mostly jokes, but just the, the work ethic that goes with it too. Because mm -hmm. like growing up doing the amateur wrestling and then the MMA, you have to work, you have to bust your ass. So, you know, you work as hard as possible. You're in the right condition. You leave everything in there on the mat or in the ring. And that type of mindset, I think being transmuted to anything else just like sitting down for two hours a day to write going to a lot of open mics which by the way you have to pay to do open mics in new york city so it's like yeah you gotta really love fucking new york man <laughs> right but that's fine oh my god because it's an investment but yeah mm -hmm. it's bullshit yeah <laughs> that's Whatever, degrees. It's some kind of a write-off something like that um yeah. how hard is it being a comic um in this climate to like put together your set and like try to toe that line. Okay. And you say, and you mean like the cancel culture type of. Yeah. Just like the sensitivities and, um, yeah. you know, especially when you see like some of like the greats, the people that like, I'm sure I'm assuming that you must've maybe grown up on the people that I loved. And then, you know, oh, they, yeah. they find themselves in some hot water now. I mean, that's, that's gotta be a little bit difficult. Yeah, luckily, 
luckily most of the things I say are in a dark basement and no one ever knows. Um, <laughs> I mean, for now, it, right. Right. Someone's <laughs> back there with a the camera. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, I think it's interesting because you have to, you have to be careful. You have to dodge the lasers and it, but if you're not saying anything truly hateful, I think you're gonna, you're gonna outlast the, you know, the lynch mob because they're jokes. And like we saw, like, just a, like what happened with like a few years ago with like Kevin Hart, he's still doing fine because he was making jokes. And yeah. uh, I think people, I think the, the vast majority of people are intelligent enough to understand what jokes are. And you just have that vocal group of people who are sharing everything because they never follow their dreams. And now they're, let's, let's fuck up someone's life. But people forget about it. And I, luckily I'm not famous, so I can't be canceled, but uh, you know, I'm trying to stay, I'm, I'm trying to be smart, but it, I am a little, I would say that I'm irreverent on stage. Uh, I'm not preachy at all. So when I say anything, it's a joke and I have offended people, definitely. Um, they've come up to me and I didn't appreciate that. I'm like, then don't laugh. And I, I'm kind of a dick <laughs> about it. I just walk away. I'm like, I don't want to talk to you, but <laughs> gotta what have a can... sense of humor. Yeah. I mean, listen, you're going to a comedy show. You got to kind of be ready to buckle up and, and see what's going to be thrown in your direction. What, yeah. um, what can people that are going to Caroline's tomorrow expect from your set? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so no preaching, no agenda, no, think like this, think like that. I'm a good person. It's just jokes. Um, I write a lot of jokes from just from my life. So like stories, um, some jokes about the wrestling, like I mentioned, um, some things that have happened to me, like I was assaulted. I had a, a, a HIV scare. I've, I've, oh, oh I've, shit. I've, yeah, I'm okay. Um, <laughs> Thank God. Uh, or I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have brought it up, but uh, sure. I, Everything, yeah, just basically stories from my life. Um, dark jokes, I'd say a little bit dark. Uh, I would never call myself edgy because I think that's cheesy, but I do have a dark sense of humor. Um, pretty irreverent. I don't really, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, make any points. I'm just trying to make fun of everything that I can and, mm -hmm. and be as clever about it as possible. I wouldn't say any shock humor, but I'm a little dirt. <laughs> we all like that bit. you know keep yeah. a little dirty come on yeah. a little bit a little bit when you live in new um, york you gotta be <laughs> yeah exactly honestly honestly i definitely don't miss a trash day in new york when the rats oh. take over the city that's sketchy oh. or day three of snow oh, oh, oh it's just like sludge muddy <laughs> sludge it's terrible oh. i've ruined I all my shoes because i'm an idiot <laughs> <laughs> yeah all winter boots uh nathan where can everybody check you out if they are not able to make it to uh to caroline's tomorrow night but happen to be listening somewhere else it's not new york city absolutely yeah um if you type my name into youtube to see a few clips up there uh that i've posted um instagram is nathan orton nyc and that's where you're gonna see um there's some roast jokes because i used to do a lot of roast battles uh there's a, a couple short clips of crowd work there's um in this new podcast thing I'm doing where it's me and a cardboard cutout of Randy. Oh my and god. I, and another comic being his mouth. And I just act like it's Randy. And it's 
It's kind oh of fun. God. I'm just mocking my life because it's like, hey, <laughs> this is my brother. Like, it's the only time we actually spend time together. It's a fake cardboard cutout. Nice. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I cannot wait to check out uh, more of this. But it's been really nice getting to meet you. Yeah, um, you best you of luck awesome. tomorrow. Yeah, best yeah, of luck you. tomorrow. Crush it. Yeah, Really it. looking forward to it. Uh, Caroline's is an amazing club. Yeah. And, yeah, it's going to be a great show. Hell yeah. All right. This is Nathan nice. Orton, everybody. Check him out. Caroline's tomorrow. Caroline's on Broadway, uh, part of the series of the Breakout Artist Comedy Series. That is tomorrow at 7 p.m. for tickets. Visit carolines.com. Awesome. And uh, promo code Nathan. The link is in my bio on Instagram, too. So make sure you Hell get that Hell yeah. yeah. Check him out. Check him out. All right. Thank you, Nathan. Throwing Down with Renee and Misha is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. The show is produced by Michael Russo and Kelly Murphy. Sound designed by Nari Balin. Special thanks to Sirius XM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and Sirius XM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Serious XM Podcasts.